Greetings and welcome to the Hope Recovery Podcast, hosted by Greg Schmalhofer. The Hope Recovery Podcast is published every Monday to help you be successful in recovery and to grow in your faith as well. Hello and welcome to the Hope Recovery Podcast. I am your host, Greg Schmalhofer, and this is officially our fourth podcast episode. So with this episode, we have one month completed. So thank you all for joining us today and for being a part of the Hope Recovery Podcast. And yes, we are coming to you from our home studio right here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And before we jump into the main interview portion, let me just make a few comments. And I know everyone is at a different point in recovery. And if you are struggling in recovery, if you perhaps are in the midst of a lot of crazy things going on in your life, or perhaps you feel that you have failed God so many times that you're not sure God will forgive you. Let me encourage you to remember there is always hope with God. Slow down in your day today and consider this passage for yourself. Psalm 138.3, which says, In the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. There is a God in heaven who is the true higher power, and he does want to help you. He wants to help you to be clean and sober just one day at a time. He wants to help you with whatever struggle of life you might be facing. Ask God for help, and he will indeed answer your prayer. So today, I am so glad to be joined in our home studio with Tim Lease or perhaps I should say Dr. Lease. So, Tim, um, thank you for joining me today. This is the very first month of the Hope Recovery Podcast, so thank you for your part in making this first month happen. And, um, Tim, I'm really happy to have you here, so welcome. Thanks, Greg. Um, I've been blessed uh, so far with uh, your prior podcast, being a novice to the uh, podcast arena. Uh, it has uh, kind of been an eye-opener and uh, really amazing, and I really appreciated that mm. uh, you founded this and uh, have this going. Yeah, thank you, Tim. And I, and I appreciate your uh, allowing me to uh, spend some time talking with you today. Oh, well, it is my pleasure, and I really am very grateful that you were willing to come and take time out of your day to join me and to share some of your life story and how God has used you through some of your struggles and has used you to meet the needs of many people. And so, Tim, as I was preparing for this podcast today and the interview with you, I, I was brought to a particular passage, and the passage is Proverbs 22.6, which says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And so if I may ask or say, Tim, in many ways, you were brought up in a very strong and solid Christian home with solid Christian instruction and example. But as is so often the case, we take a different path. 
And so if you would be so kind to take just a few minutes and talk to our podcast listeners about some of your early years growing up and then some of the decisions or events that happened that led you to your struggle with alcohol. Yes. Um, I, I was uh, blessed to grow up in a Christian home. Uh, you've heard of PKs. I was a double PK, a preacher's kid and a president's kid. Yeah. Uh, because at the time, my father was the third president of Lancaster Bible College. He was president for 17 years. Wow. And I actually grew up on that campus, so to speak, mm. as a kid. So naturally, out of uh, private schools, I had gone to faith-based uh, schools uh, out of there. It was only natural for me to enter Lancaster Bible College. Mm -hmm. And I was in the pastoral studies uh, program. And then I discovered alcohol and drugs, mm -hmm. and a few other things uh, mm -hmm. to go along with that. And uh, to, uh, to my father's uh, sadness, uh, he had to expel me from the college after my sophomore year. Mm -hmm. And um, that was uh, kind of a real low point there. But uh, for me, it kind of opened new doors, doors that I wasn't allowed to look at or experience. Mm -hmm. And as I've learned in recovery, most of us start and do what we do because it was fun. Right. And I found all kinds of new things, all those fresh fruit here and there mm -hmm. that I had never tasted. And uh, I liked it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so... From there, I, I went on. I graduated from uh, Millersville mm -hmm. with a uh, uh, bachelor's in psychology. But I went into the hotel business mm -hmm. for uh, almost 30 years. And I was, I was successful, mm -hmm. but I drank. From the very beginning, I began to drink. And I had lots of issues, but... I never really realized that it was related to alcohol. Okay. It was always related to other people. Right. Uh, we often say, well, you, if you had this or that, you drink like I do. As time went on, it wasn't that I didn't believe in God anymore. Mm -hmm. I just didn't care. And that was kind of me. I, I knew there was some creator God out there. Mm -hmm. I wasn't so sure he was like my father told me about mm -hmm. But, you know, it didn't really matter to me either. I just didn't care. Right. And I pretty much did what I wanted to do. And uh, what, we, what you often find in drugs and alcohol is the, that the more you do it, the less fun it is. Right. I was always trying to get to that old high or a new high that beat the other one. And it became progressively more difficult. The one thing I knew was that when I drank, I drank to get drunk. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just ha have a beer and be done. Uh, no, I, I advanced far beyond that. But I was also very disciplined. I could segment my life, at least I thought. Mm -hmm. And I, I worked well, and I, I was successful in business. But I had my work sphere and my drinking sphere. And I tried not to let the two collide. But uh, as time went on, uh, after many years, it was kind of difficult not to see that it was mixing mm -hmm. with each other. And um, the, the real eye-opener toward the end, 
I knew that I, I was starting to get sick. Okay. Um, I, I would... Uh, I, w- I would actually spit up blood uh, at night when I woke up. It'd be on my pillow, and I, you know, I think little of it. Mm-hmm. And I'd go take a shower and spit more blood out. Mm-hmm. But that same evening, when happy hour rolled around at four thirty, I was at happy hour. Mm-hmm. One day, though, uh, I started noticing my eyes were kind of yellow, mm-hmm. and every once in a while, I, I'd see parts of my arms or, or my chest turning yellow. And it wasn't until I was away uh, on a weekend down in Baltimore at a hotel, and I took uh, my son swimming. He mm-hmm. was about eight or nine at the time. And he looked over at me, and he says, Dad, you're yellow. Mm. I says, no, Hank. I said, that's sunburn. Yeah. Well, that worked well until he got home that night and talked to his mother and says, Mom, Dad's yellow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... Uh, they convinced me to go see my doctor. And I went and did that. And he ran me through a number of tests, did blood work and things. And I got the call from uh, my doctor at uh, 10.05 that uh, evening after work. And uh, he said, I got the results back. He said, uh, you have end-stage cirrhosis of the liver. He says, you know how you get that. I said, well, I got a good idea. He said, well, you have two choices. He said, you can keep on drinking and Mm -hmm. use probably a three to six months to live. Mm. He said, or you could quit and we'll see what we can do from there. So I thought about it pretty quickly and thought, well, that second option certainly sounds better than than the first one. And I got off the phone and... um, I went to my freezer. I always kept some Jägermeister in the freezer, and uh, probably was, there was about two shots left in the bottle, the bottle. I remember I took that, and I drank it, took it out, and threw it out. And that was 2010. By the grace of God, that, that was the last uh, drink I, I have had, Amen. and by his grace. But the journey between then and now has been simply amazing. It has. Uh, It went downhill from there rather than uphill. I didn't drink, and about a month later, on August the 13th, I started having these terrible stomach cramps at work. And um, all of a sudden, uh, I just, it it just overcame me. And uh, I called my doctor. He says, call 911. So they admitted me. And I remember a surgeon walked in and she said, give give me a pen to the girl with her. And she made markings on my stomach. And she says, you're going to surgery. That was the last thing I remembered until about 9.30 that night when I uh, came to. And I was told that I, uh, I had had surgery, that I had had a ruptured ulcer, and uh, that they had repaired it, and um, they'd talked to me in the morning. So I, I was back in my room, and that night uh, I, was, I was just in pain. I had no clue really what was going on. But I do remember one thing. I, I kept trying to recite the Lord's Prayer. Mm. It's the only thing that seemed to give me comfort. Isn't that something? But I do know that I was trying to say the Lord's Prayer. And you were reaching out to God in some way. I, I acknowledge that if there was any help out there, yeah. It had to be from above, because it certainly was apparently not coming from me. 
and I it got really bad. I ended up being hospitalized for about 16 days. The doctor said uh, he they didn't think I was going to make it. Frankly, I didn't think I'd make it till the next spring. This so, was so the doctors actually said that to you, Tim? Yeah, they they said you better get things ready, and mm-hmm. uh, I I agreed with them at that point, mm-hmm. but. I also felt a, a tremendous sense of resilience that I was going to fight this thing mm-hmm. and I was not going to give up. But I also felt that I could do it on my own. My condition had been so bad that I, I needed to, to get on a liver transplant list. And the problem was there, you had to go six months without drinking, right. not to be drinking, and you had to show that you were doing something not to drink again. So every darn person I talked to said I should go to AA. My physician, my liver doctor, my wound doctor. I mean, anybody who talked to me, even my insurance people told me you should go to AA. And what were were your thoughts at that point, Tim? I mean, did you see the value there or did you feel like it's not really necessary, but if that's what they're, if I need to do it? To get the the liver transplant, I will. I was kind of getting to that point, uh, but uh, I was starting to recover. But I was still I could hardly eat or anything. And, and December rolled around. Okay. And if I had to think of one of my worst days, mm-hmm. uh, it was December thirty first of twenty ten. I remember watching New Year's Eve. It was frankly the first New Year's Eve I saw sober in, in thirty okay. plus years. Laying there, my son was out shooting fireworks off. I couldn't even move off the couch. And I just thought miserable. And I thought total everything was totally pointless. Yeah. And I, I, was, I had no idea how I was going to find anything worthwhile. My job had separated from me. Uh, they had uh, let me go. But now I had no job. I had no health, and in my opinion, I had no future. Mm. And being confronted with them with a new year coming, it really didn't look so good. And uh, so about a week later, I decided, I think I'll check out AA. And as I've heard many others say, AA really saved my life. And what they did from there was they pointed me back to God. And that's really what started uh, some tremendous changes. I was able to get on uh, the liver transplant list uh, through Geisinger. Uh, what AA pointed me to was God. Uh, first, uh, the, the steps were really pretty obvious to me at that point. First is admitting we're helpless right. and there's no future. Well, that was pretty obvious to yeah. me. Uh, I had lost everything. I saw no future and doubted whether I was going to be a part of it even. And then secondly, that there is hope out there. And, you know, I kept coming back to thinking about God and uh, my father's commitment to God and his his love for Christ. And uh, I thought, well, it probably is the direction to go. I I thought, well, where where can I sort of tie things back together? And uh, someone uh, at my father's funeral a number of years before, I was befriended by Dr. Peter Tagg, president of Lancaster Bible College. And uh, he befriended me for some reason. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, never questioned me anything. He would take me out to lunch, invite me over to his house, uh, invited me to functions at the campus and everything. And, uh, you know, I should go talk to him. Spent uh, spent a while talking with him. I was really blessed. And then he uh, got me uh, with... Uh, the uh, gentleman who was uh, my father's uh, dean as he was there, and also longtime uh, theology uh, professor, Dr. Thomas Figer. Mm. And I would spend uh, Mondays, at least one Monday a month in the afternoon with Dr. Figer, just talking about God's Word and recovery and just all kinds of things. And he was kind of the closest. These two men were the closest people I could get to my father mm. who had— uh, passed away and never saw me get uh, clean and uh, sober. And uh, these these individuals modeled him and they modeled Christ back into my life. And when I made the decision to change and to return to Christ and to accept him as the Lord of my life again, I made two decisions. I decided, one, that I wanted to find a closer walk with the Lord because I felt if I did that, my life would be much more positive. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, I look back at all these years of all my self-inflicted things and pain on everybody else and thought that's that can be used to help others. Yeah. So it became my twofold goal. One, to find a closer walk with the Lord, and two, to try to help others and share that message with them, Amen. that indeed there is hope in yeah. recovery. And uh, through a conversation with uh, Dr. Tag, uh, I mentioned, you know, I still feel bad about getting tossed out of here all those years ago. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm thinking of coming back and finishing that degree. He said, well, you already have a bachelor's. Why don't you get a master's degree? Two years later, I was able to graduate. And uh, I had the blessing of talking at graduation. I honored my father. And I used the verse that uh, you had quoted, bring up a child in the Mm -hmm. way that they should go. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. It took a while for me to get back there. Uh, But I also uh, believe sometimes it takes that long for the Lord to do in us and to have us be able to accomplish what he's always intended for us to do. But now I think I have more of an ability to connect to people I had never even spent time with. And those people were my quote-unquote friends. Yeah. And uh, today I'm just blessed to, uh, to find uh, that I am comfortable and can, uh, can walk in many different walks that I never would have. And I think the Lord uses that yeah, and uses those experiences for us. Mm-hmm. Then I, I was a galatin for punishment uh, they uh, started a Ph.D. program uh, mm-hmm. at the uh, college, and I went right into that. I was actually blessed to graduate in 2020 with uh, my Ph.D. in biblical studies. That's something, yeah. Uh, the main gist of the topic of my dissertation was about, in Isaiah, um, Jesus as the wonderful counselor. Mm. And uh, I uh, attempted to prove that wonderful should really be miraculous, that uh, Jesus, uh, the future Messiah, would be a miracle worker. Amen. 
I believe he's still working miracles today. He certainly worked a uh, miracle in my life. About three years ago, I was removed uh, from the transplant list. Yeah. The uh, head of transplant at Geisinger told me, said there's only, uh, you're the first person that I took off this list who hadn't either received one or died. Isn't that something? That's a miracle. Praise the Lord indeed. And that's God working miracles. He does it in different ways. Mm -hmm. And and certainly once I started recovering and everything else, I realized that he kept me around for a reason. Mm -hmm. And I don't always know or fathom what that is, but I just figured I better not mess this one up again. I know, though, that so many people, their their recovery and their walk is much, much different than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how I, I've been able to stay without a drink, without uh, uh, relapsing on that or something. But uh, others find the recovery route much different. Mm-hmm. But I do know that uh, if you're in early recovery, it, it's really tough. Yeah. It is really tough. But always, early on, I wasn't sure I liked it, hearing the promises read at AA. And uh, I really didn't think they could come true. But about six months in, all of a sudden I realized, well, maybe that could work, that could work. Well, those promises that you hear at the meetings read really can come true Mm -hmm. if you're willing to commit yourself to it. But I could not have done any of it without the work of uh, the Holy Spirit and Christ in me. Mm -hmm. Just to think that there's a higher power is looking in the right direction. It is, yes. But finding the Creator God Mm -hmm. and uh, His Son and being indwelt by the Spirit is what changes everything. Mm -hmm. I call it the special ingredient. I think you. I know you can stay sober for many, many years mm-hmm. uh, without a personal relationship with the Lord, but I truly don't believe you can find happiness and purpose right. until right. until you accept all that He has to offer, and that simply means you have to give your all to Him. Now it doesn't happen every day, and mm-hmm. we still take our will back, but uh, I know who. Uh, where my direction should come from, and I know what way I should be looking. Yeah, thank you for that, Tim. You, I appreciate your story and how God used your struggle to not only turn your life around, but then to enable you to help other people. And your your ending comments there made me uh, remember what you, I think, had often said, that while you can be Success, you can be sober, but until you bring God into your life, that's when you can really have peace and happiness and joy in your life and still be sober. That without God in your life, yeah, you may be sober, but you're, you're not going to be happy. Yeah, in, uh, in the rooms, we call it a dry drunk. Yeah. Um, and I have met a few of those. Mm-hmm. Some of the most miserable people you ever wanted to meet. Yeah. But they're, they've been sober for many years. Mm-hmm. I, I think to a degree that uh, they just don't have, as I, as I said, the special ingredient. Right. And that's, that's faith, in, uh, faith in God, uh, the, uh, the God who, who 
created things, created you and me, and wants us to be successful. I believe he wants us to be successful in recovery. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe each of us has our own challenges. It's not always drugs or alcohol. It can right. be food. It can right. be pornography. Right. It can be any number of things. Money, greed, yeah, power. As uh, uh, Russ had said uh, mm -hmm. in the prior podcast, it's a gift of desperation. I will also admit as well, the the older I get, mm -hmm. uh, the smarter my father appears. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and Tim, you know, you said about your dad that he he never saw you be successful in recovery. Your father had such such a legacy himself. I mean, he as president of Lancaster Bible College, he pastored a number of churches. He uh, he just did so much in his life. He spoke apparently oftentimes at Grace Baptist Church. He spoke at Water Street Mission, and then was not only a professor but then the president of Lancaster Bible College. So, Tim, let me ask you this: What was it like for you to finally then and eventually have the Lord direct you to minister in, to some of those same places that your father? had ministered as well. Yeah, that was that was kind of amazing. Um, back in just a couple of years ago, I guess it was uh, 2018, mm -hmm. exactly 40 years from the date, the year that I was asked to leave Lancaster Bible College, I was able to step in the classroom and, and teach prelude to theology Isn't in the Bible something? theology department. Uh, that was an amazing experience, yeah. 40 years later. And I'm blessed still to, on occasion, uh, be able to teach as an adjunct at the college uh, right. now where Pop was. And at the end of my uh, dissertation in the acknowledgments, I, I indicated uh, uh, an acknowledgment to my father and then said, Pop, I'm finally in the family business. It took a while to get into the family business, and I sure resisted any part of yeah. it. And it is one of my great regrets that uh, Pop didn't see me uh, come around, but I, I have no doubt he's quite aware of it Absolutely. at this point. I, I am assured that uh, uh, from Hebrews, he's part of that cloud of witnesses up yeah. there. Lord can use anybody in any way, in any shape. But I was truly blessed to have that foundation. And yeah. uh, But the whole key is the foundation has to be God. You know, and um, you had mentioned about AA saved your life. And it, it has always just amazed me the wisdom of AA, the big book of AA, and then the uh, Narcotics Anonymous as well, mm -hmm. and that they both— they both point people to God. And for AA and NA, for them to have that focus, I just think is so wise mm. that it is very inviting then for people to, okay, I need a higher power. I need God in my life. And Tim, you had mentioned that your father you know, did not see you successful in recovery, but I absolutely agree that he knows and that uh, reunion and that celebration will just is just delayed <laughs> till to another time but that he is very very thrilled and proud of you with where you're at and with how you're honoring God with your life and how God is is using you despite your past which is so true for all of us that 
nobody's perfect, but God uses all of us to help people, to point people to the loving God of the Bible. So let me ask you another question here, Tim. What was it like then for you when you officially became a a staff member of Grace Baptist Church and helped lead then the Discovery Recovery Ministry? What was that like for you then, Tim? Yeah, that was amazing. And uh, yeah, as a staff member, I was your assistant, which yeah. uh, was really an incredible uh, experience. I probably got into it sooner than I should have, but God's timing is a lot better than mm-hmm. than our timing. And uh, just to be able to share with others uh, and to learn how to share God's Word, mm-hmm. to be able to... Uh, make scripture understandable on a level that that someone uh, in early recovery or anyone Anyone. can really relate to and see how the Lord is using that uh, to speak to us today. The podcast, I think, is a really neat way to, as I mentioned earlier to you, to extend beyond the brick and mortars of a a meeting or something like that. to be able to speak to someone in their car, uh, yeah. in their house, uh, and to share that same kind of message of, yeah. uh, of what God does for us, and mm-hmm. uh, that indeed there is hope. There is hope. You're definitely the right direction on the hope. Mm-hmm. And working in ministry was just such a blessing. Yeah. And I think we both grew together. Oh, and absolutely. You have talents way beyond mine in many ways, and uh, I I have different ones as well. And it was just uh, it was so cool to work uh, work in ministry with many people coming into recovery early, yeah. and uh, to be able to combine the two yeah. was uh, is really an exceptional uh, opportunity and one that that I will never forget the yeah. blessing of that. I believe I can carry that on as an adjunct professor and teaching uh, Mm -hmm. young students, but uh, to really be on kind of the front lines uh, with others like myself who are just trying trying to get by. Yeah, trying to make it. Um, Trying to see that it's worth hanging around for. It's worth not going out again and using or something. If you can help someone with that, give them a little hope with that. I can go a real, real long way. Yeah. Well, Tim, you and I partnered together with Discovery Recovery and uh, for about five years, and that was a wonderful time for me. It was one of the best times of my life. <laughs> and um, to, to be that engaged in ministry was just, just such a blessing to me, and I know— you have said it, Russ has said it, many people have said it, that it, we received perhaps more of a blessing mm. than, than the people we're ministering to. And that's how I felt. Uh, Brenda and I both felt that way. And it was such a, uh, a wonderful time, and we are uh, glad and eager to see how God is in some way continuing to use us to help people and to care for people and to minister to people. Uh, I, I got the 
biggest uh, ongoing blessing that anyone could have had through both the ministry and through uh, Discovery Recovery. I, I met my uh, wife, Bridget, yes, there. Indeed. So uh, that's a blessing that I continue to uh, get to experience, and I'm blessed that uh, she, too, has a heart for uh, sharing God's Word to Amen. people in recovery and uh, the fact that uh, we can work together in some regards there is uh, is exceptional. Well, and you're right. Bridget certainly has blessed many people and continues, like yourself, to have a, a burden and a desire to help people. Uh, well, Tim, as we sort of come to the, the close, toward the end of, of our time together, let me ask you this. So at one point, you felt like you had no hope. What would you say to some of our listeners right now who might also feel like that they don't have hope, that they have been through so much and they have experienced so much uh, tragedy in their life and that their future, all they can see is that it looks so bleak. What would you say to someone like that, that that is not sure that they can do it or that they have a future? I think it has to start with a closer walk with the Lord. Uh, I I also believe that using the benefit of the fellowship of the rooms yeah. is critical early yeah. on. Because you need someone to teach you how not to drink right. or how not to use. Yeah. You also need the strong support of others who are fighting the same demons mm -hmm. that you are fighting. And you had mentioned about... Uh, being engaged with the rooms and going to AA meetings or NA meetings. And part of what I believe people see there is they hear then how other people have been successful, 30 days, a year, five years, and it then shows them that that's evidence of hope. It is possible. People do recover. And with the message that you need a higher power, you need God in your life, that then brings in the, uh, the special ingredient, right? right, that will help people guide them to be successful in recovery. Well, Tim, before, before I close, is there any, any other closing thoughts that you would like to just share with, uh, with our listeners before, before I make a few comments? Uh, just the, the idea that there, there truly is hope, yeah. and uh, at no point— Despite how dark it looks, uh, maybe that's really the the dawning of something so much better. Uh, but there truly, there truly is hope. Well, let me uh, speak directly to our podcast listeners now, and wherever you are at in recovery or any struggle of life, as Tim has indicated, regardless of how bleak perhaps you may feel your future looks like, there is always hope with God. Uh, God does not give up on you, and God is still there. If you bring God into your life, recovery is absolutely possible. Your future can be very different from your past. There is indeed always hope with God. Regardless of what you may be facing today in recovery or with any challenge of life, I would encourage you to remember Psalm 138.3. In the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. 
I encourage you to call out to God today, whatever you're facing, wherever you're at. Remember that God can help you and God wants to help you and that God can dramatically change the direction of your life. Tim, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Greg. On the the Hope Recovery Podcast. And to all of our podcast listeners, thank you for joining us today. Take care and God bless you all.